comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. TV podcast where we're here to discuss Better Call Saul. Or maybe not. I mean, I, I would be fine talking about Better Call Saul. What about you guys? I'm joined by Aaron Newirth and Jim Dietz, by the way. How are you guys doing? Doing well. You know, you work that morning shift at Cinnabon, you get that fresh coffee. That's definitely <laughs> worth it. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, you're still working at Cinnabon. No offense to anyone who may work in a Cinnabon. But, the Walking uh, Dead fans that watch just Walking Dead are like, what is going on? Why is there Cinnabons? Why are you making me hungry when I want to talk about this episode? And what an episode it's been. It's been a really divisive episode, uh, seeing some of, a lot of fans of the show. So, Now, Jim, can we refer to you in this episode as nothing but Slippin' Jimmy? No. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so yes, we are here to discuss uh, The Walking Dead Season 5, Episode 9, what happened and what's going on, which was, as you, you guys just said, a very divisive episode online. Uh, Russ can't make it tonight. I know, though, that he was not a fan of this episode. I don't know what Rich's thoughts were on the episode, but for the three of us, uh, Aaron and Jim, let's uh, have you guys start. Were you positive on this episode, negative on this episode, somewhere in between? I was definitely more positive on this episode, mainly because of what some people seem to be marking on is with the artsiness of the episode. I think uh, director Greg Nicotero did a fine job with what was going on here and Scott Gimple's script. I mean, it did it did service to things that to, to things that needed it. I mean, if we're going to get rid of a character, at least I, I feel like it did a good job of utilizing the actor involved and giving a giving a unique way to send off said character. I also enjoy, I enjoyed that part of the episode, too. I mean, a lot of people were very critical of that part, but I, I didn't mind that part at all. I guess my major criticism with the episode is that how much I love Tyrese in the comics as opposed to how much I didn't love the potential of Tyrese that was kind of squandered in the TV show in a lot of places. And I think that part didn't sit well with me. But as far as the, the part that's, that a lot of people seem to have trouble with, the, you know, the... Um, the, the stylistic choices, you know, the structural choices that the Nicotero shows in this, I thought really showed an, an interesting side to this series we haven't seen before and, and really kind of gave us that, you know, same old zombie story in a whole new light. I, I, I liked it. I, I enjoyed it overall positive. I'm also overall positive, but I had some huge problems with this episode, which we'll get, we'll get into when we uh, discuss it, of course, but definitely an overall positive, but 
man, were there some problems, at least for me, this this particular viewer, I had some issues with it, but we will get into that. Before we do, um, of course, this was a mid-series premiere, which means they're going to have big ratings, or at least that's the hope. So, Aaron, I'm going to send it over to you now. What are the ratings we have for not only Walking Dead this week, but Talking Dead, and also uh, the premiere of Better Call Saul? Well, yeah, uh, I'll start with Better Call Saul, which is, of course, the spinoff from Breaking Bad, uh, starring Buffy. Which was awesome, by the which way. Which was uh, Yeah, it was awesome. It was a solid uh, start for that series. Um, Better Call Saul is apparently the biggest series premiere in cable history, delivering 4.4 <laughs> million adults 18 to 49 and 4.0 million adults 25 to 54. So, <laughs> good news for Vince Gill- Gilligan and the, and the gang. Um, Amen. The, the Walking Dead returns as the biggest regularly scheduled program of 2015, with 15.6 million viewers and 10.1 million adults 18 to 49. Let's see, and then Talking Dead, the after show, returned at a later time slot because of Better Call Saul taking over the uh, the immediate the immediate following uh, Walking Dead. Um, so it was it it happened at eleven fifteen to twelve fifteen. It still had two point eight million viewers and one point nine million adults eighteen to forty nine. Um, Which I don't have Talking Dead's numbers uh, in front of me, like their previous numbers. I think that's slightly down, but that's fully understandable, yeah. seeing as it was over an hour later than normal. Which will only be this week for anybody who's listening and wasn't aware. The Better Call Saul is, is going to be airing Monday nights. In fact, it's airing right now as you record um, its second episode. So you won't have to worry about waiting an extra hour and 15 minutes if you weren't into Better Call Saul uh, for Talking Dead next week or any of the other weeks. Yeah, and uh, lastly, there's this thing from the... Uh the people over to AMC that have a quote here. It says, We are supremely thankful for the talented people who call this network home and for the fans who continue to make AMC a television destination unlike any other, walking, calling, talking, humbling. So, you know, they're they're certainly quite proud of this kind of this Sunday lineup they have, which, I mean, it, right, right now it's just Walking Dead. We're, we don't have a second season for Low Winter Sun yet, right, Jim? But, um... <laughs> <laughs> but between that and the talking... Yeah, between that and the talking dead, it's certainly been a... Uh, it's it's been a very positive experience for AMC, along with you know the other shows and you know plenty of acclaim that they've received over the years with this thing. Yeah, what happened to that American Revolution drama they had for about a half a minute there? Is that still uh, on? It's yeah, coming back. On. Yeah, turn. It's returning. Turn um, very soon. Yeah. Yeah, and I know some people were complaining when it was first announced that Better Call Saul was going to take this time slot for this week, um, but I think at least for this first week. It paid off in spades. I mean, that does some great ratings for Better Call Saul. It'll be really interesting to see. I know this isn't a Better Call Saul podcast, although that would be a lot of fun. But it'll be interesting to see whether it keeps its numbers without The Walking Dead lead-in tonight and uh, and next week as well. Well, I mean, The Walking Dead basically served as a Super Bowl way of getting a show going. Exactly. Like, so, I mean, they, they whoever, you know, hasn't watched Breaking Bad or, you know, was only had some interest in Better Call Saul, they at least had the perfect lead-in to get to that show to watch it and see if they like it for themselves. So. I also thought it was interesting from that same article that they don't have the plus three and plus seven numbers yet, which for anybody who doesn't know, that's for people who, for plus three, it's people who DVR it and watch it within three days after it aired, where the plus sevens are people who DVR'd it and watch it within seven days of when it aired. So obviously they can't have those numbers yet as we record this, but they're saying they expect for Walking Dead that by the time the plus sevens are in, over 20 million people will have watched the episode in the U.S. alone, which that's insane for television these days. That just... I mean, we say it all the time. It doesn't happen, period. Like, aside, you know, for scripted television. For the Super Bowl, sure, it happens. Uh, maybe the Academy Awards or something like that. Sure, maybe. Scripted television, it just doesn't happen and has not for years. 
It's really interesting how uh, how, much, how big a part the plus three and the plus seven numbers play now. I mean, Nielsen only started tracking them just over a year ago, and now I mean they're the kind of things that buoy uh, shows like uh, Gotham, and uh, I, I keep shows like that on the air. Just but, you know they, I know the Flash like doubled uh, its its viewership just from plus three and plus sevens, uh, so it's really becoming a huge factor in in, in, uh, in television ratings. Which, I mean, the plus threes and the plus sevens aren't as important for, say, advertisers, which really, that's the whole reason we have um, the, the Nielsen ratings, is so advertisers know how many people are watching a show, so they know how much they're going to have to pay for a commercial during that time period. If somebody's DVRing the show, they're probably, not always, but probably not watching the commercials. However, the plus threes and the plus sevens, that gives a lot for syndication, um, that goes well for Netflix, and for Amazon, and for other, and Hulu, and other providers that might be interested in kicking in some money, maybe picking it up if the show is no longer going to have a home on its home network, uh, you know, like with Community or, or um, The Killing, speaking of an AMC show. Uh, that's the numbers that they're looking at. So even though it's not as important for, say, an advertiser, it's still very important. But that's enough about boring math and numbers, gentlemen. Shall we talk about what's happened and what's going on? Let's do it. Alrighty. Mm-hmm. So what happened and what's going on is a little bit nonlinear, just slightly, but I'm going to do my best to pretty much just stick with the linear version of the story. A couple of things that we see out of order, but uh, we're going to try to do this in the most the most easy to follow way. It's kind of an episode that made you wonder what's happening and what's going on. Yeah, yeah especially exactly. the, uh, the opening sequence. It just almost seemed like a random series of scenes, but it was like some of the scenes were kind of strange and bizarre enough that it just kind of you know, really, really drew you in, like the scene with the little girls, you know, I mean, you didn't know the context of the scenes because they were taken out of that context in the opening, uh, you know, before the credits uh, uh, part of the show, but... It, it was it was playing this kind of deception on you. I feel like for not just like fan, like casual fans of the show, or at least just kind of people that watch the show, but like ones that, um, some people like me who are kind you know movie geeks and TV nerds and you know kind of and people like us who do podcasts and nitpick everything where you look at the episode you look at the start of that episode and it's it seems like it's showing you like kind of like a a recap of things that happen through images where you're you're thinking you see shoveling into the dirt you're thinking okay they're probably burying Beth you see shots of the prison and Woodbury and you're thinking okay well we're getting kind of a a recap of things that we've seen in the past and we see the little girls and we've seen them in the past and we're getting caught up to where we are now. But that's and the picture of the cabin that looks like exactly. where they died. Exactly, you know? and so you you think that you're just getting kind of this this like emotional recap and catching you up, which it kind of is in 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 ways, which is you know clever on the part of the show. But in fact, it's just complete. It's a completely throwing you through a loop. It's actually stuff that's going to happen throughout this episode, <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. it's very clever. I really I I mean I can't emphasize how much I really like the the style of this episode, and I'm very much happy to praise Greg Nicotero, who's gone from just making. St- fairly strong episodes of The Walking Dead to ones that actually try to challenge the viewer visually and stylistically. Which didn't um, The Grove, the episode where Mika and uh, Lizzie died, didn't that also start with a pre-credits sequence that happened later on in the episode? Yeah, it does. It It starts with the uh, tea kettle and then panning out to looking out through the kitchen window. With a tag, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, and it has this, it's like in slow motion, it has the music playing over it. It's like a, it's a bit, It's 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 a nice little trick, yeah. Right. So, the plot of the episode proper starts with our group of survivors still reeling from the tragedy of Beth's death at Grady Morrow Hospital, and they decide that the best way to honor Beth is to complete her intended mission of reuniting Noah with his family. 
So the entire group makes a 500-mile journey to Shirewilt Estates, which is a walled community outside of Richmond, Virginia. Something I like about this already is that we don't have, like, half the episode spent on Rick, you know, saying, we should do this, and someone else like, we shouldn't do it. Like, it's just like, no, we're going. <laughs> and, like, we're already in the car. We're there. We, we, yeah, we, yeah. Like, who needs all these details? They, they have walkie-talkies, good for them, apparently, and, yeah, we're, we're on the way. I mean, if you if you remember back to season two, a 500-mile journey could have taken them, like, four seasons in that yeah. case. <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny, though, because, like, at this point, it seems like the, the whole cast is like, what else do they have to do? You know, like, later in the episode, they're grasping at straws, you know, maybe we need to go to Washington, even though Eugene was lying, you know, maybe that's where we need to go, or, you know, they just seemed like they were all just kind of grasping onto something, especially, you know, when Michonne starts picking up ideas, like, how they could refortify where they were at, you know, at the, the walled community and stuff. Just seemed like, you know, what else do we have to do? Well, we might as well do this. Right, exactly. And if anything, I mean, it did seem like it was a plausible way of getting the group somewhere, too. I mean, they don't have any real direction right now, because staying at the church with crazy priest pants is not, you know, the best of ideas. <laughs> and, uh, by the way, seeing him, like, in the opening, is like, ah, oh, this idiot, like, that was my reaction immediately. <laughs> no one wants to hear him at a funeral, but whatever. <laughs> so, the group is split in half for pretty much the entire episode. We get some glimpses of other cast members right at the end, and I guess maybe in the beginning, too, with some of the quick flashes. But for the most part, this episode, we're focusing on Rick, Michonne, Tyrese, Glenn, and Noah. Um, they're the ones who are scouting ahead into the community that Noah is from. Everybody else is hanging back just in case things go terribly. Spoilers, things go pretty terribly, just not in the way they were expecting. Right, and Rick is in constant contact, like you said, over walkie-talkie with Carol and the rest of the group. Right. And it's good, it's good to have, I mean, focus. I, you know, we, we've talked about plenty of times on this show, how on this podcast, how the show does good by having focus and having less characters involved and giving us kind of a solid story and you know even if there's a b plot it's just you know generally related to what's going on with the, the a plot in some sense so I, I i like that right so while they're you know coming up to the community of shirewell estates uh tyrese tells noah and the others about his father uh, and sasha's father of course who always used to tell his children that as citizens of the world it was their duty to listen to the news and never change the channel or turn it off just because something was terrible that was being talked about, that they should always know about the atrocities that take place in the world so they can be prepared and have their eyes open to how things actually are. And that, of course, will be a big metaphor uh, throughout the rest of the episode. I kept, I mean, that was such a long, like, uh, soliloquy on Tyrese's part that I almost expected a jump scare at some point. You know, like them to hit <laughs> something on the road or something, you know, come through the windshield or whatever. I just, I don't know. It's just, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't badly written. It just seemed to go on a little, I'm like, okay, I get it. Now, that's kind of the first time it was telegraphed to me in this episode because it wasn't spoiled for me. And sorry, Jerry, but, you know, when Tyrese dying, I, that was just my first clue here. It's like Tyrese getting very philosophical with Noah at the very beginning of the show, you know. Right. Passing on some words of wisdom, as he will continue to do uh, a little bit later. Honestly, wasn't, I honestly wasn't too focused on the idea of, like, Tyrese possibly dying. I was just, like, thinking... Well, they're get, yeah, okay. He's getting some he's getting some material to work with. I, I I felt like it was just going to be an episode that happened to center around these two characters, based on just events that happen and how one can relate to the other without necessarily a tragic result. Obviously, that took place. But that... Yeah, honestly, I, I also did not catch the foreshadowing the first time through, and I assumed this was more geared towards Noah and expanding his story, um, which it is because of what I had mean, happened with Beth. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, sure. I mean, but I mean, I would have thought it was weighted more sixty forty towards Noah Understood, instead of sixty yeah. forty towards yeah. towards Tyrese, yeah. or maybe even eighty twenty by the end of it. But so they arrive at the community and they discover that it was at one point uh, in the in the past uh, overrun and everyone inside was killed. And you can see spray painted on uh, a bridge hedge wall or a brick hedge wall near and then that wolves are near, which uh, we don't get any explanation of. But there's definitely. A lot of interesting things going on, interesting and terrible things going on around and near this uh, this particular community that they will go past, and I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, Noah breaks down because this means his family is dead, his mother, his twin brother, and his dad. I guess his dad was already dead, but uh, the rest of his family and, and any other people and friends he knew there. And uh, Tyree stays behind to comfort him while Rick, Michonne, and Glenn decide, well, we're already here, we might as well scout for supplies. When um, when Glenn initially like looks over the wall, I was like, "What's gonna happen here?" I was like, I, "That's, yeah, that's I where I thought the jump scare too. was gonna come in." Well, oh, good lord! It's like it was almost like the trope in those World War Two movies, you know, where they, the guy comes out, he's like, "All clear, no snipers." Yeah, and then just his head <laughs> flies back in a mist. But no, Glenn is fine at least for the time. I being. did, I did like the fact that you had like this kind of reflective theme going on of them of regret. You know, like Glenn was wondering whether it would have made a difference if they had killed, you know, the the, um, the woman at the uh, the hospital or whatever. You know, and then Tyrese is wondering if it would have made a difference in his last moments. You know, they just keep seeing that theme re- you know, repeat itself over and over, kind of despair and regret of of where they're at. Well, it's and I'll get to this, I guess, when we get to. Where Tyrese is, but yeah, the reflection on what they've basically just gone through, I assume it's been less than a week since things happened. Um, it certainly sets up the idea that this is one of the bleaker episodes of The Walking Dead that we've ever seen, um, which is only saved by the fact that it has some style to make it a little more visually engaging and, you know, hark less on the fact that some really bad stuff has happened and the, the kind of the, the thesis of the series is in full effect in terms of if it's better to be alive or dead in this world. So So Tyrese and Noah, who have stayed behind while the others look for supplies, uh, Tyrese tells Noah that he wanted to give in and die when Karen was killed, but he kept on fighting and decided to live on. And as a result, he was able to protect Judith when she needed him and get her back to his father. And I think he also lists a few other things that basically, if I'd given up, I would not have been around to do these good things. And that was reward enough in itself, basically, for me sticking around. Uh, Noah stands to his feet and sprints to his family's home because he wants to see what happened there. Um, Tyrese follows him, and they arrive and find his family all dead. Uh, Noah kind of breaks down by his mother's side um, and apologizes to her for not coming home sooner, and Tyrese explores the house. And he does make a point to, like, and Noah, by the way, doing a good job sprinting ahead of everybody else with, like, a you know sprained leg or whatever. Um, when they get Yeah, to that, that was... Yeah, right? Well, it's been seven. No, I think they say I, it's I been know. seventeen it, it just, days. It, like I know, but it's more of just you see how visible the kind of limp in his walk is, and he's still like keeping a good pace ahead of everybody else. So it's like, all right, <laughs> but we're, I'm not, I'm not harking on that. They do catch up to him, but regardless, once he does get to the house, what I was going to say is that you know he kind of, he kind of breaks down there, and then Tyrese gets there, and Noah's like, I want to go in. Tyrese is like, me first, you know, <laughs> try to make sure. Exactly, not the most effective of tactics, apparently, but we'll see. <laughs> 
So Tyrese goes further into the house. You can hear a zombie somewhere, but it seems like it's kind of off in the distance. In the house, probably, and Tyrese seems to be looking for it. But then he gets distracted by a, a, a series of pictures on the wall of, it, it, I guess it would be Noah's brother's, a twin brother's bedroom of two young twin boys. Um, I think like at a playground and at a, at a, at a carnival or something. There, there's a bunch of different pictures. But he's looking at that when Ty, uh, when Noah's twin brother comes up behind him and bites Tyrese. The, Who saw that coming? Everybody except Tyrese. Yeah, because the show was, in doing this, it was like the equivalent of having a character getting beaten in the head by a baseball bat by making sure that you know that there are twin brothers and not just one. And emphasizing that you've only <laughs> right. seen one. I mean, I was like, right. okay, I get it. I get, what, what, I get uh, another shot of the brother. Uh, okay, yeah, uh, twins. Twins. Yes. Twi- oh, oh, the, there I mean, is. there are two of them. <laughs> are there two of them? I mean, they usually come in pairs, twins. <laughs> now, that said, when the twin did arrive and he came at Tyrese and he actually got the arm, me and my two friends sitting in the room, we all, like, shrieked. We're like, no! Why? <laughs> That's true. I remember that with the photos. They kept, like, shooting back, like, like almost that Hitchcockian cutting, you know? Yeah, it was like that or, like, like a Leone Western. Yes, all two. Of there are two. <laughs> there are two twins. <laughs> So after Tyrese is bitten, uh, Noah hears uh, what's going on and he comes in and he dispatches his twin brother and uh, Noah then goes to retrieve Rick and the others to come and help Tyrese because what is he going to do? He's not familiar with how to uh, fix all that kind of stuff on his own. And then Tyrese begins to lose a lot of blood and begins to hallucinate and give his best Jay Walter Weatherman routine. <laughs> so um, I'm happy you got that right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Two things. That's why you always leave a note. Two, uh, two things. First off, the second Noah had to leave to get help, I'm like, Tyrese is done for. There's no way. <laughs> We're not, you can't right. wait around with a bitten arm and like be fine. So he's done. And what I, what I then, when the hallucination started, what I really came to admire was the fact that the show very deliberately did not list the guest stars that would be appearing, which made me very happy because that meant they, they, they wanted to make sure they could preserve that surprise of all the characters coming back, which was... Great. Yeah. And, and, you know, you say you're like, oh, well, here he's dead. I kept going back and forth during the episode because, you know, there was a lot of commercial breaks. Like they held the commercial breaks for later in the episode, which meant you got a lot of them in the second half, which is annoying. But that's what happens. You're going to have the same amount of commercials, just just where you choose to put, put them. But due to the way they were playing with time and focusing on long periods with, you know, Rick and, and Michonne and Glenn, like, it wasn't really clear to me at first how long it had been since he was actually bit. And because of the nature of the character, I was I kind of kept going back and forth on, he's probably dead, right? Well, maybe not. Maybe it's only been, like, a minute and a half. Well, maybe it's been longer. And, well, he's losing a lot of blood. So I think they did a decent enough job, at least for me, of keeping me guessing, of being like, really? Is he actually going to die after all this? And, oh, yeah, I guess he is. It was more like, it's. it was less like the blood loss thing. It was more just the idea of the zombie whatever gets into his veins. And I'm thinking, if, if Noah had to, like, sprint down the street to get to his house, then he has to sprint all the way back to Rick, then he has to sprint all the way back to get to the house again, then they have to cut off his arm. It's like, there's no way that he's not going to be affected in some way by, his, right. by a big zombie bite in his arm. But, um, yeah, it, it was... My 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 real concern was I was just in a sense of denial at some points when he started hallucinating. Like maybe he didn't get bit at all. Maybe maybe he's just like freaking out in the room by himself. It'll be fine. That didn't happen either. I was he not. just ate some really bad mushrooms, right? Yeah, something like that. He was like he was Rick phone call crazy or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you get bit once in the arm, but twice. That's when I was really thinking. Okay, maybe he didn't get. Maybe this is just all in his crazy head. But that that still wasn't wasn't happening. <laughs> 
Yeah, so Tyrese, like we, like I started to say, he starts to hallucinate, and uh, there's multiple levels to this hallucination. One, you have, there's a radio in the room, and he starts to hallucinate radio broadcasts, just kind of vague radio broadcasts about unrest and rebel groups and cannibalism and the kind of stuff you'd expect to hear on a radio broadcast in a zombie world. Um, we, we do know a little behind-the-scenes stuff that it was actually Andrew Lincoln doing the voice of the radio announcer, which is cool. Um, but in addition to that, like uh, Aaron mentioned, we had the cameos. He starts to get visited by the ghosts of Christmas and, and Hanukkah and Easter and Kwanzaa past as they're, um, from as they're all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. The costuming was weird, but no. Um, so I don't remember the exact order um, that he's visited by them, but he is visited by, and many of them at the same time, Martin, who was the guy who he did not kill, who threatened to kill Judith. Uh, Bob Stuckey, who's awesome. The governor, uh, which was very surprising. Yeah. Lizzie, Mika, and Beth. Beth with guitar. And they, yes, <laughs> and her guitar, guitar. Her ghost guitar. Heaven, yes. <laughs> um, and they kind of keep going back and forth, you know, showing different levels of his psyche, going back and forth on... Did he make the right choices? Should he have been proactive? Um, There's a bunch of repeated phrases. We were talking about them before we started recording. But the governor and Martin uh, keep talking about debts to be paid. Um, Let's see here. I have it written down as time to pay the price. Um, And the the others, the good people, if you will, which strangely includes uh, uh, Lizzie and Mika, whichever one was the crazy one. um, It's better now. You've got to know that. And the things that happened are the things that were going to, always going to happen, or some version of that. The um, and, and didn't uh, didn't Beth sing a song too? It was like "Struggling Man" or something. It was probably something really something on the nose. Along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was it, it was seemed, definitely yeah. the most on the nose thing uh, for an episode that was this symbolic and had this much artsy stuff in it, which I also liked. Aaron, um, that was by far the most on the nose thing, but it didn't bother me. Oh, no, it bothered it, me. It bothered me. I mean, it's cool. I understand Emily or Emily Kinney likes to sing, and that's a talent she has, and that's something that the character Beth was known for. And I understand all those things, but the song that she was singing was just like really on the nose. Like the lyrics I, were like, "Yes, we get it. You're singing about Tyrese. I get it. Okay, wonderful." I'm, I'm sure there was some Mickey Mouse going. That's what it's called when it's like on the nose, like that Mickey Mouse going on with the song. <laughs> I honestly, <laughs> I wasn't really um, paying too much attention to what the actual song was more because I was just like, oh, "Here we go with the Beth song." But r- putting that aside, this is where this is part of where I get like into kind of issues, but also like praise at the same time. Where like on the positive side, Chad Chad Coleman, who has only gotten so much to, like, really do on this show that felt, like, good and consistent with a character and not just, like, I'm really angry now or I'm really emotional about this Karen thing. Remember Karen? That was a character. Um, <laughs> Who doesn't show up in his illustrations, right? doesn't, by the way. Right? Which yeah, isn't that weird? That <laughs> and it would be one thing if I get it. Sometimes you can't get an actress or an actor back. Sometimes because they're not available. Sometimes because they're not interested. Sometimes because they have a contract dispute. But you mentioned her earlier in this very episode, mm. and she doesn't show up. She, I mean, she's the source of most of the the grief and strife and various problems that his character's mind has gone through. So it's like that's a little like I'm glad we got Governor back, I guess. But I. I feel like this person seemed fairly important to you and would like fa- likely factor into your death scene but and yeah obviously yeah whatever behind we don't know what's happened behind the scenes so i don't know but I it mean, also seemed weird that the governor was the one like chiding him about that like saying you know she killed a woman you love and you forgave her i'm like you weren't even part of that plot line why, why are you why are you telling us this you weren't even part of that i mean why you know why is he caring here saying this but um to 
getting back to the, what the positive is, I think Chad O'Coleman, what he's doing here is very good work. I mean, I, I like this actor. Um, yeah, I know him from The Wire. He is a good actor, and he's only been given so many chances to shine on this show. Um, but, I mean, if, if he's going to get sent out, at least he's, he's, he's working his hardest to, you know, pull off what's been a problematic character for me and for a lot of us, I think. And not just in terms of, like, what he is to the show versus the comic. I think at this point, especially in this episode... I was already, uh, I mean, in episodes in the, like, coming, leading up to this one, I was kind of at the point where it's like, I'm never, we're never going to get the Tyrese that we want. And we've got, we've discussed this on this podcast before because you have other characters that are kind of fulfilling the role that Tyrese has had in the comic and whatnot. And various changes in the show in the past have sometimes led to better versions of said characters, i.e. Herschel, or, you know, worse ones, i.e. Andrea. Um, and this is the Tyrese we have. He's not a favorite character of mine, but at the same time, I was content with where where he was. So getting the last of, Ch- of Chad Coleman's work on the show as this character, I was mostly fine with that in terms of like his acting abilities. The I know I'm talking a lot, but hold on. <laughs> you know, the negatives is that I feel like listening to what he's going through and this demise of his, it just feels repetitive. It feels like I've gotten this before. It feels like I've gotten this kind of character that feels guilt about having to make tough decisions type situation so it's like i don't i don't know what the show's trying to really tell me beyond the the bleakness of the situation that he's now presented with where it's like well i was a good guy and i made some tough decisions but at least i'm dying because that's better than still living like that's that's horrible for one thing mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I, i'm pretty much right there with you I, I have more to say on it and i want to save that for maybe a little bit later but i'm, I'm pretty much right there with you with, with some uh so some minor differences but like i said we'll get to those uh, later and i and I think, and I know I say this all the time, but I, it does it does stem from the dialogue just isn't that interesting all the time. And it, so it's it's hard to kind of get on board with what a character is going through if I'm just getting the same kind of like by the numbers dialogue being explained to me so clearly, even with the, you know, very various stylistic visuals taking place as well to make it more dynamically interesting from a like a visual perspective. It's. Yeah. Plus, like, some of that dialogue is delivered with, like, this gravitas or whatever that it really doesn't need or deserve in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole thing about, you know, you need to pay the price. I'm just like, okay, I get it. You you symbolize his guilt, you know. Um, but, yeah, some we've had this, you know, discussion before about this series, about the, you know, the dialogue sometimes tripping over, like, really good acting. And I think this is, you know, maybe another example of that. I, I really enjoyed Chad Coleman in this episode. I, you know, to, you know, to crib a line from the Dark Knight, you know, he's not, maybe he's not the Tyrese we want, but he's the Tyrese we deserve uh, <laughs> yeah. for television, at least. I mean, Tyrese in the comic was a very different character and served a very different role in the group, had a very different relationship with Rick, and was one of my favorite characters in all of the comic story. The Tyrese in the, in the TV series, like I said, very different and not not one of my favorite characters, and but yet I really admire the acting when, like you said, Aaron, when he's you know given a chance or given something to work with, other than like confusion or just you know, suppressed rage, you know, or being comatose for a season and a half for the most part, you know? <laughs> right? I mean, when he's given something to work with, I mean, you can see the the, the craft of his acting, and I think it's a, a recurring theme with the series is that the acting, the the level, of the the caliber of the actors sometimes suffer from the 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 caliber of the dialogue. 
Not to take anything away from Scott Kimball, because I thought this, like I said, the the artfulness or whatever of this episode what made made what would have been just a really you know downbeat episode a little more like I mean Aaron you made the point a little more palatable because of that you know stylistic choice they'd made of telling the story the way they did. But this whole flashback sequence, I felt like as cool as it was, I thought it went on a little long, and it just it, it seemed to have this kind of weight that really shouldn't have been afforded to it. If I, that makes see, any I, sense. It does because I can agree with that. I, I like as much as I admire the attempt. I, I think I, I like more of how it's about it than what it's about. I guess is the way to say it. Where I mm-hmm. I like their approach to trying to differentiate this death from others, and you know, adding something different to it in terms of like the visuals and presenting old cast members and what have you. But yeah, at the same time, we get a lot of it, and it's not all inherently interesting which is a shame, but at the same time, given the reaction to this episode, I wonder if it played it straight, if it'd be, like, really hated then. Like, if people would really hate this episode because it didn't really do anything new and just, you know, was really sad and took away a character that we were kind of mixed on, but, like, gave it the kind of effort that it did to elevate it above and beyond. Yeah, I just thought it was so cool in, like, a series that's primarily, you know, plot-driven episode after plot-driven episode to have something like this. It was just very... uh... I don't know if refreshing is the right word, but it was definitely you know a good. Ch- I thought it was a cool change of pace. Yeah, and the, I mean it's not and it's not like the series doesn't attempt these things all the time either. Like it's a, it's, a, it's the Walking Dead. It's a very stylish show. Like I mean it 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 presents this kind of bleak world and a grounded sense of reality. But in terms of the filmmaking on display, I mean it. You can go back to you can go back towards the beginning. I mean maybe not so much season one. There's some elements. I mean Darabont's direction obviously lends some greatness to the pilot or whatnot. But I mean like the second season, there's an episode where what is it? We're like we're like Shane. Shane. The, it's the one where like after Carl got shot and Shane and Otis are running around and like that episode's like it, it has this kind of opening of Shane like already. It's like a flash forward of Shane shaving off his head and feeling all guilty. You don't know exactly why. It just does little. There's little things like that's a specific callback. But I mean there's there's a lot of episodes like. Not necessarily like this one exactly, but ones that try to that try to do more. They try to be more than just presenting it as is, and this was one that does it a, a little bit more so than we've seen recently, and I like that. So, meanwhile, on the other side of town, and I think we should be a little bit more specific because I don't think I said too much about the town. This is kind of a housing development deep in the woods, surrounded pretty much on all sides or three sides by forest, and they've the people of the town before they died, uh, which was a good time to do it, um, uh, put up walls <laughs> where, you know, there was already some walls around the town, but they helped build up walls around the rest of it. And uh, so that's a good visual to have in your head as we talk about Michonne and Rick and Glenn. And I think you alluded to this earlier, Jim, you know, Michonne is kind of you know, expressing this desire to kind of settle down in one place, maybe fortifying the town. And she, she makes the point at, at some point in this discussion that maybe they've been on the road too long and maybe it's time for them to try to make a home for themselves. Yeah, which is good stuff from Michonne. I I like I, I it's it's or if, it's similar to Tyrese, really. I mean, it's similar to I don't want to be out there killing all the time. That's what it essentially comes down to. And they just come back from another kind of standoff between another hostile group in the hospital. Sorry for the sound alikes. And um, <clears throat> and she's thinking, I don't want to, like, have to deal with this all the time. I, I want we should find roots. We should plant something here and we should be able to just live for a while and not be crazy out in the run like those savages that we you know you had to bite the neck out of in order to survive like let's <laughs> let's live somewhere and it's like i completely see where she's coming from and i'm glad that 
Rick, you know, not just humors her, but gives her something to talk. You know, he he gives her something back. It's like, all right, yeah, all right, we should do this. And but but before he does, I mean, first she's like, we should settle down here, and he makes some very salient points about uh, <laughs> have you have you paid attention to where we are? The wall, everything here is wrong. By the way, I I don't think we've said that, but everything in this town feels off. Yeah, for pretty much the whole episode, something horrific happened here, and it had nothing to do with zombies. And it's never clear exactly what. We can get into some of that a little bit later. But there are weird things that don't make a lot of sense. Not in a way of, oh, that, you know, that's just the show doing a bad job. But just in a way of the show's doing something very specifically to make you feel very uneasy about this town. And Rick points some of those things out. You know, there's trees on all sides, zombies, or, you know, people could sneak up on us. This is not a very defensible place. They had walls. Clearly, that didn't work for them. The fences so, are bent inward. Like, I mean, in terms of where yes. things have broken in, there's tags that say wolves are near all over the place. Houses are burned down. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it looks there's like... There's a lot of wounds on people that don't look like zombie wounds and don't look like gunshot wounds, and there are... Not zombies, but pe- well, there are some zombies as well, or eventually zombies, but just people with arms and legs hacked off or cut cleanly through the center, like right at their belly button. And everything about that is weird and off-putting and unsettling. Basically, the yeah. Sith attacked. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It, it seems like this place was, whoever attacked this place were some sadistic motherfuckers, and I'll just bleep that because that's what it was. He slaughtered younglings. <laughs> um, the, I know the one scene I, that that sticks in my mind that, that you're referring to. Um, you know, Michonne is trying to convince Glenn and Rick, and Rick is explaining to her, and they look down at the one part of the wall that had broken, and like you said, the the whole like yard is strewn with body parts, uh, arms and legs, feet. You know, er, pretty much everything but heads. Heads and torso. Um, yeah. Are, are laying is, all over the place. Just nasty. And, and then we find And later them. they find the torso. Yeah, they find which are all like alive and oh my god, it's like that's some nasty stuff. <laughs> and and see and I didn't notice this, but I saw it mentioned so many other places. They have like something carved in their foreheads, like X's or W's or something, which could be wolves, because wolves at the gate or wolves nearby, or it could be something else. But something messed up happened here. <laughs> Um, and and I, they even say on Talking Dead, they don't get into specifics, so I don't think this is really a spoiler, but, you know, they, these things will come up again, probably at some point. They'd have to, you know? yeah, you want to introduce and that. I, yeah. And is it connected to what we saw, I guess it was more than a season and a half ago, but or more than a season ago, but back with the governor and when he was uh, hooked up with that other group and they found, like, the, the cabin with the people who had had the signs around their neck saying, like, liar, rapist, oh, murderer, yeah. that kind of stuff. Oh, even is there some connection to that? Huh? Is there some connection to the symbols that uh, that uh, Morgan is following on the trees? Like, there's a lot of weird stuff going on right now, and I kind of love that aspect of it. Just n- knowing something's off, so knowing something is terrible, but not having any idea what it is. I mean, it's it's world building. I mean, that's essentially what oh, it is. Yeah. it's world building, and I mean, if it pays off in terms of like having those deeper connections, great. I'm I'm glad it's able to do. I mean, look at that. Like, remember the um the opening of this season where you have all the people getting their you know. Their neck sliced, which included the the character who now plays um, Penguin on Gotham. That character who was in the previous season as just one of the like he broke his leg or whatever. Sam, I think Some, maybe whatever something like that. But yeah, I mean, just it's it's not as if they needed to get that character back. You could have had the same impact from just having a random guy get his neck sliced, but they did. I mean, so that's it's just clever world building that way, right? 
So after Rick, rightly, at least in my opinion, uh, shoots down the idea of staying there and fortifying the walls, uh, Michonne tries a different tact and says, well, we're 100 miles from D.C. at this point. We've already come 500 miles. And even if um, Eugene was lying about having you know, a cure, he did have some really salient points about why Washington might be a good place to be. Maybe we should go there. And eventually Rick concedes and decides, yep, let's go to Washington. That sounds like a good idea. Now, also in here, not to skip over things, but Glenn also, we talked a little bit about this, but he he talks about how much he's changed just recently and that, you know, even when they were back at Terminus and he was like, we've got to let these people out of the containers and they find the weird Charles Manson looking guy. Mm-hmm. I He's saying at this point, I don't think I would even have stopped open the gates. Like, I've just become a more ruthless, a different person. And that kind of leads to Michonne saying we need to we need to settle down. We need to we need to find a place to stop and, you know, regain our breath and, and just get everything back together. This is around that time that he decides to pick up that baseball bat, which is, you know, that's nice. Yep. That's a nice weapon. <laughs> yeah. That is a very, that that's a good, strong weapon, as we saw in Terminus mm-hmm. and other places. Um, yeah. I, I also noted that. Mm-hmm. So right around that time when Rick says, okay, we'll go to Washington. It's a good plan. It's certainly better than staying here. That's when they hear uh, Noah screaming. So they follow the screams. They find that he's being attacked by zombies. He does not get bit, though. Um, but they have a pretty cool fight scene, which has this great moment of Michonne trying to chop one of the zombies' heads off, but it has a piece of rebar sticking out of its neck, and the sword just bounces off of it. It's Yeah, I, I literally yelled out. It's like, oh, Michonne's one weakness! <laughs> <laughs> and then Rick does, like, ultimate badass move, which was, like, my zombie kill of the week, where he pulls out the rebar and then beats the zombie with the rebar. It's like, that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was very cool. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> And Noah, that boy ain't right. Can't get that. He's just zombies all over him. I know he's hiding under garden trellis. When they come up on him, he's like got garden trellis between him and the zombies hiding under him. <laughs> no! I'm just garden trellis. Don't bother me. So after they rescue Noah, they go and they, they try to rescue Tyrese. At this point, uh, we mentioned you know, Tyrese has already been bitten by a second zombie, which he then killed with a geode. Um, you know, they're minerals, Marie. And then... <laughs> nice. Sorry, got, got to do it. And then you know, uh, there's been a lot of flashes between them and him, and we've got more and more of his story, more and more of his you know, um, intermental intermental fight. Well, you know, between the different aspects of his personality being represented by the the dead characters. Well, some of the cuts between his uh, hallucinations and like uh, the reality are, are pretty pretty jarring and, and effective. The one. A uh, scene where you know the governor comes at him in his hallucination, and it's actually the second walker uh, that bites yeah. him. Uh, that was really shot. I mean, those tight shots of of his face and then the walker's face. I mean, they kept showing the close ups. I mean, you know, the I mean, so I mean, you could hear the teeth chattering, and just I, that that scene really stuck with me. Just the way it was shot, I thought it was really well done. Well, and also the other that one was really cool, but the other transition that really stuck out to me was where. Tyrese reaches out his arm. I forget exactly why he was reaching out, who he was reaching out to in his, you know, fever dream state. But then you just have this immediate flash cut of the same framing. But now you've got Rick grabbing his arm and Michonne chopping his arm off to try and, you know, keep the infection from spreading. Yeah. Or the zombie, you know, the zombification from spreading. Really cool moments both times. And really just kind of like gut punch shocking moments because you just are not expecting them there's it's already this weird fever dream pitch but you're you've kind of settled into the flow of that fever dream so when they're pulled back into reality it's almost even more jarring than the weirdness 
no, yeah, it's 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 good stuff in terms of kind of keeping a visceral quality going and showing us the kind of extents that everyone's going to have to go to now to try and get this person to safety, even though it's very likely that he's not going to make it. Right. So they, they alert over the walkie talkies, uh, the other half of the group that they're coming and, and kind of the bare basics of what happened. Um, they wrap up Tyrese in, in a blanket as best they can and start trying to carry him um, back to their vehicle and then back, you know, drive that vehicle back to the other group so they can cauterize the wound, etc. And uh, things just quickly go bad. There's zombies everywhere. Um, they run into a vehicle where we find the other half of the dismembered people before, before that who are now scene, zombified. I'm, I'm sorry, Jordan. Um, before that scene, though, there's a really cool scene where they um, they're fighting off zombies that are coming through the walls uh, or the gate of the gate. Yeah, the community. gate's like crowded with zombies. Then, yes. Oh yeah, and, and this is where best zombies. song is playing, right? It's it, Isn't this... I think it's playing in the background, and it's like uh, it's done in slow motion. My zombie kill of the week right. is during the scene, actually, because there's one zombie that makes it through the the packed crowd and is coming toward the camera, and Rick whips his python around and shoots it from behind. And you see the like literally the head exploding as it's coming toward camera in slow motion. Uh, really cool scene. Um, but I, I thought it was also cool the way they you know while they're trying to get Tyrese out of the, the town or everything, he's much bigger than any of them. Yeah, right. And it, I mean, it's I mean, he was obvious, a linebacker or whatever. Yeah, right. right. And it's like it, it's cool that they they use that you know as part of the the their um, you know their mad their, their um. They're mad scramble, you know what I mean? When they're trying to get right. through the, all, everything else. I mean, they're they're lumbering through and they're trying to figure out the best way to carry him and they can't and, and they're dragging him and they, you know, they have Noah try to hold on to him but he, you know, collapses under his weight and I don't know, it just, it, I, I just thought that whole sequence yeah, was really well it done. Was, it was a hell of an endurance round for these guys trying to make this work. I, I really like, you know, to go back to that song for a second, yeah, maybe the the lyrics were too on the nose or whatever. I wasn't paying that close attention to the lyrics because of what was going on visually, and I really did like that. Not just the slow motion shot towards camera, uh, you know, Rick shooting the zombie in slow motion that you're talking about, but just that whole thing in slow motion with the slow motion CGI and killing the zombies, that's really tough to do. Like, it's hard enough to do. I mean, I, granted, I can't do CGI to save my life, so it's not like I'm speaking from experience here, but... You can tell when you watch, you know, some of the CGI on even this show from time to time. And sometimes you can just tell that, oh, that gun's not pointed in exactly the right place to do that shot. Or that blood splatter is happening maybe just a second too late or a quarter second or a frame too late. And for it not to hold up or not to work always 100% of the time in your regular speed is one thing. But when you're slowing it down and you can see every frame for, you know, four times as long or whatever the exact time differential is, that's really hard to get just perfect. And I thought every, because I think he kills like four zombies there. Every single shot looked perfect. The angle of the gun, the timing of the, of the, uh, the muzzle flash, the timing of the, the blood spray, like every single one looked perfect perfect end time to the music i thought was really good and i think uh you know along his side like michonne takes the top off of one and then decapitates another in the same you know span of time and yeah i thought the cgi looked great in that scene it just it's a really striking scene for them to slow the violence down like that it's just something that you don't usually do well it i mean it's it's the kind of scene where you have to get that right because you know what you're going to do with it you know it's going to be in slow motion you know it's going to be seen in full detail and the angles that you're shooting with so it's like yeah it better look great so i imagine there's a lot of time being spent and being an episode like this as opposed to something like one where you know zombies are falling through the roof or something like that where there's kind of a large scale action sequence in terms of like scope i mean 
this episode doesn't really have that. Instead, it has it has a town that's new, but it, the, the, the the zombie encounters are more are closer. They're closer, and they're you know they're smaller scale by comparison. So I, I they're personal. Yeah, they're more they yeah they have more personal feel to them. And so I'd imagine you have to harness a budget around something like that. That's a very clever way to do so. And they know they instead of focusing on the grandeur of the scene, they can focus on the intimate qualities of it, which is why it came out so well. So they get him back to the van eventually. They have that whole run-in with the other truck with the other top halves of the people who are now zombified, but I really don't get the impression that they were when they were chopped in half, which is horrifying. Yeah. Um, and they're back on the road trying to get to the other half of the group, and at a certain point in the scene, we, we again get another transition from the people who were actually in the van to now it's Bob and Mika and, and Beth, etc., and who are comforting Tyrese. As you can tell, he's really starting. He's He's gone. And uh, he eventually tells Bob to turn off the radio, uh, effectively deciding that he wants to let go. And he passes away and is eventually put down by Michonne so he won't reanimate. And the rest of the survivors then attend his funeral, which is what we saw in the beginning, thinking it was Beth's funeral. It's not. It's actually Tyrese's funeral, uh, which Father Gabriel presides over. And we see a visually traumatized Sasha uh, who struggles to even just stand and and put a a shovel full of dirt on uh, in the grave on top of uh, her brother. And that is where the episode ends. Yeah, uh, just to take a step back real quick, when that that truck pops open, the you know two or three dozen chattering skull, uh, zombie skulls and torsos in that that parking lot. Another really uh, a scene that really stuck with me afterwards. Yeah. Um, I, oh yeah. Well I implemented. What, I thought that really. I thought that really looked looked good. You know. I wrote a what the truck on my notes for that one. <laughs> oh, oh, um, yeah. Um, the uh, that death scene, I really like that. Um, as much as I might have had issues with kind of the nature of the hallucinations of what story is being told here, I thought that was. I mean, is if Tyrese is going to go out, um, I, I found that to be an effective way to do so, and an emotional one in terms of kind of communicating that this person is passing on. That was that was a good one. Because I, I mean, as much as I'm not like the hugest Tyrese fan in terms of the show. I thought it was effective and enough time was given to it where I had issues with, I had issues with like Bob's death. Cause it seemed like I didn't know Bob all that well to get so much treatment about his death where this one, this one mattered more to me as a walking dead fan, I would say. And I was, I was very happy with how this one played out. Also, Sasha's had a rough week between losing Bob and her brother. <laughs> it's been a little longer than a week, but yeah, it's, it's been, been, it's been a, a rough month or so. Yeah, she could throw it into to, uh, Maggie's face all she wants. But she got Bob's <laughs> cool jacket, so it's not at all. That's not true. All I hope Maggie didn't get Beth's guitar. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe Maggie also plays guitar. I, I'm sure. I'm sure some people on this po- on, the, the, on the Walking Dead fan page, uh, you know, would love that <laughs> more guitar on the show. <laughs> Never go wrong with more guitar. So, shall we give our ratings, gentlemen? Sure. Alrighty, Aaron, why don't you start us off on a scale of one to five busters, five being the best, one being just the pits. How many busters do you give this episode? I'm far from the pits. I give this a strong four busters. I think the episode, um, while having some repetitive issues that I mentioned already, I do think the the attempt to you know make a, a very compelling episode of television via the direction and in the performances from the you know the key actors involved do enough to really make it a strong episode. Uh, for this for this mid season premiere, by the way, which is you know I, I like that it was more, I guess intimate and down and um, focused rather than being this kind of expansive over the top premiere which we've had in the past. I also give it a four out of five. I, I I like it when they take stylistic chances with the show once in a while, and I really appreciated this one. Uh, some of the things just didn't 
quite work for me. As I mentioned before, some of the things seem kind of uh, maybe out of place, maybe a little too much here and there. But uh, overall, I really I, I am positive on the episode, so four out of five for me. Like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, and I, I mentioned parts of this you know, later on, said I would, I would hold them for now, but I loved swaths of this episode, large swaths of this episode, and I had some major problems with others. I already mentioned the fact, you know, Karen wasn't there, and that seemed really weird. Again, I understand why, you know, sometimes that just can't happen, and things don't work out that way. Whatever. That aside, the direction of this episode was amazing. I absolutely loved everything it was doing visually, in terms of um, the way the camera was placed. There was a lot of shots that you've just never seen in this sh- in this show before. The music even had a markedly different tone, um, uh, very kind of a lot, a lot of shrillness to it, and a lot of just general creepiness to it. Yes, the music in the show is often generally creepy, but this was slightly different in the way it did that. From a direction standpoint, I think pretty much everything about this worked. Even the music, yes, whatever, maybe the lyrics were a bit too on the nose, but the way they worked the music into that slow motion sequence, all the hallucination stuff, you know, the twist back and forth between reality and the hallucinations, the use of the radio, all that stuff I thought worked great. What I didn't think worked was this. They have not earned this with Tyrese. And I'm not one of those people who, and and nothing against people who are one of these people, but I'm not one of those people who, oh, I love Tyrese in the comics and they ruined him in the show. Tyrese was a cool badass in the comics, and quite honestly, he's been dead so long in the comics that I don't really remember my thoughts about him, but I don't really remember caring that much when he died. Oh, it sucks that a cool character died, but that was about it. If they had done this episode or a very similar episode with this visual style and the storytelling technique with Rick or with Daryl or even Carol, a character I had strong feelings for in the show, positive or negative, but preferably positive, this episode would have been just gangbusters for me. But with Tyrese, they have not earned it. They've tried things with him. They haven't had this whole crisis of faith two seasons too late, which just did not work for me at, at all. And while I liked the actor a lot, and I think when they on the rare occasions they gave him something to do, it was awesome, but they have not earned this hour-long tribute to a character that this episode was with Tyrese. They haven't even come close, at least in my opinion. So from an artistic standpoint, this episode was awesome. And outside of The Walking Dead as a whole, this episode was awesome. But inside The Walking Dead... It really didn't work for me on a, on, a, on a huge level, which is a shame. I'm still going to side with you guys. I think I'm giving this one a four because really, it really did sweep me along with the direction. And I think that's going to win out over the, you know, the character problems I have. But really, those are some very strong character problems I had with this episode. So it is a four, but it's a four with a huge asterisk for me. I can see where you're coming from on that. Um, I kind of wish we got into this a little bit earlier, but I, I can... <laughs> sorry, I wasn't sure whether I should save it for the end or. But sorry, go well, ahead. I, I can see, I can, I see where you're coming from because I agree to an extent, which is what, which is basically what amounts to why I think it's repetitive, which is why I don't think it services the episode necessarily to re- kind of the things that he's thinking about that you know lead to having a longer runtime for this episode so we have to spend more time with this person and is does it does that does it really matter enough do we does it feel earned and I, I would agree that i don't think it necessarily feels earned for this character with that said um i guess from if i had to look from the eyes of you know the people making the show i do think they did a good job of setting up tyrese's you know arc this season if this is where you know it culminates with i, I feel like in terms of how it See, how it, I, I agree I, how, with it, you how it began how it began with you know with, with where he's coming from after you know all the stuff with Carol and the little girls 
in coming to Terminus and then, you know, being involved with the stuff of Martin and where he first lays out his kind of I don't want to kill people thing. And then we we see more of that throughout. We get to the church where he's kind of horrified by what's going on there. And we get to the whole plan at the hospital where he doesn't want to. He wants to take this alternate route where things don't go all commando of Rick shooting everybody. Instead, we just had to make this, you know, this kind of peaceful trade-off. Obviously, they didn't work. I see, I see where the seeds are to get him to that point. Again, I don't think necessarily that this episode completely justified the way it approached how much we need to see of Tyrese dealing with his death. But I do see where they're coming from and getting us to this point. I, I agree. I, I see the consistency in the characterization over the last season. Compared, compared to where he was before, where he seemed very yeah. inconsistent as a character. Right. But that being said, that goes back to what I was saying about that's his moral quandary, his crisis of faith that he's been having was two seasons too late. And yes, I understand they, they added this character later in the show than they did in the comics or whatever. And there's course correction based off Scott Gimple being the showrunner now where, right. again, it's having to make up time for things that not necessarily wasted, but just having a rocky shift getting to this point of like season four, season five, where things are a little straighter. But for me, it's the same problem I have with Father Gabriel, which is... In season one, if Father Gabriel showed up, fine. I get it. I get that a character with this particular moral outlook is still around, and I get why he's still having this crisis. Tyrese, I'll even give him to, like, maybe season two, middle of season three to have this particular crisis. But at this point, it's been, what, two years into the zombie apocalypse? It, it's far too late. That, that, that crisis of conscience is no longer relevant nor interesting to me as a viewer. It is far too late for him to be having those questions because either you are for something or you're against something. And maybe this episode works in a certain level. I'll give it credit in that he finally just agrees that it's far too late. He's far too long for this world and it's time for him to go. And I can appreciate that. And I I agree. But yeah, it's just his whole storyline because of that reason, just similar to, to Father Gabriel. It doesn't work. It's too late in the show to have a character like that. Um, and I didn't hate Tyrese. I want to make that clear. I just didn't care about Tyrese. I was very neutral on him. And if this had been a character I loved, this episode would have been a five or maybe even a six. I would have broken the rules. I would have broken the whole name and <laughs> the whole numeral structure of it and given it a six, probably. But it's just for him. Could you could you imagine if this was a Daryl death episode? Oh Anarchy. my god! Oh, <laughs> the TV would be mean, burning had, down. Had this had been Daryl, and obviously the, you know whatever ghost would have been coming to him, it would have been a very different thing. It might have been similar to a Chupacabra, um, in the way they did that there, but it would have been a different moral, a different quandary going through his head, a different storyline. But if they'd done the same thing stylistically for a Daryl death episode. That is an instant winner for me. And not just because it's Daryl, but because Daryl is a character I care about, and Daryl is a character that they have earned a death episode like this for. And so, I mean, I, I've rambled on this, lo- on this long enough. It's still a net positive. I want to make that clear. I know I sound very down on this, but man, did I have some problems with, with doing this for Tyrese. For Chad Coleman, maybe. Chad Coleman's earned it, but Tyrese hasn't. Anyway, enough of my prattling and rambling and repeating myself. Jim, what did our listeners on the Facebook group think about this episode? Because I know they've got some things to say. The uh, Walking Dead TV podcast is the name of the Facebook group. And uh, as always, we have a lot of spirited discussion, uh, news bits, fun stuff always uh, being posted there. So, you know, join that group, uh, the Walking Dead TV podcast. And every uh, episode, we ask our members of the group to tell us what they thought of the episode. And... As you can imagine from this kind of an episode, uh, the uh, opinions are all over the place. In fact, the very first two 
give give you an idea of of the vast spectrum of opinion on this. Uh, Mike Jones, four Beth Reapers out of five. If Beth singing was the star of the afterlife, I'd want to cut my arm off to stay alive too. Uh, Sad that Tyrese was never the character we saw from the comic. Uh, Number two, Jeff Rhodes says, one token black guy out of a hundred. That was horrible. Reminded me of Gladiator where they kept showing him dragging his hand in the wheat, the sun, the run, the painting over and over. Uh, They could have redeemed Tyrese into a badass, but they reached their black guy quota and he had to go. Um, Three out of five from Shailen Bensavega. After Michonne cut off his left arm, she should have said, don't worry, you'll be all right. Get it? All right. (laughs) He can't Uh, stand it, Carl. Uh, this episode was a little too slow and depressing for an opener for me. Uh, you can tell when Kirkman has a character monologue for a while, they're about to get it. Uh-huh. I'm with you there, Shalem. Uh, the the slow-motion decapitation was Zombie Kill of the Week. Uh, Belinda Clark, Clark Ake only gave it a one out of five truckfuls of torsos. Uh, the ridiculous three-month breaks are ruining the show. Uh, the anticipation was so high for me, I don't know what could have actually appeased me. Not that. Uh, Pamela Burton gave it a 4.5 out of 5. I am mad Tyrese is dead, but I can't deny the episode was well done. Maybe I'm the only one who liked it, despite how sad it was. Um, Terry Bernard, I really enjoyed the episode. I'm glad Tyrese's death didn't get the T-Dog treatment. He was a good guy because he drove a church van. (laughs) But yeah, I'd give it a 4. Husband Mac, 3.5. Tyrese got caught slipping out of 5. Great direction, but it was a tad overdramatic. As someone pointed out, uh, it got Terrence Malik, Malik on us. <laughs> I also call BS on how t- Chris and Tyrese snuck up on. Got snuck up on. They've been doing this a while. They got careless. Uh, Georgia Lee, good. Uh, Georgia Lee, good lord, people. I thought it was excellent. Four out of five. Uh, still from last season, it had to be five out of five, and nothing has to beat yet. I loved it. So well directed and emotional. Loads of action. Uh, Tan Bono, two artsy for Walking Dead. Three out of five. Tyrese hallucinations. Uh, Everard Santa Marina, three brought back dead characters out of five. Artistically solid, technically solid, just boring and repetitive. Uh, Max Sofer, four out of five radio broadcasts. It gets five for direction and production. Beautiful, well-made episode. Three for the story, though. I struggled with them on many levels. Two things. Kirkman said Rickman wasn't going to lose his arm. So far, so good. Two radio broadcasts, all in Tide's head are real. Uh, there was some hellacious foreshadowing there. I think they were all in his head. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were all in his head yeah, as well. Me too. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, the town didn't have any power. <laughs> right. Uh, Brent Jones, 2.5, Glenn's baseball bat foreshadow out of 5. Uh, when we finally hear Ty say, turn it off, I couldn't help but agree with him. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, Roger Austin, 3.5, forearm bites. Good farewell to a character that didn't seem to do all that much during his time in the show. Another watered-down version of the comic version. And sadly... I won't miss him. Uh, Robert Nigro, three, this world was never meant for me for one as beautiful as you's out of five. As we mentioned before, there's a lot of spirited discussion and and argument uh, as to uh, the quality of this episode and what people liked and didn't like about it. And again, if you want to read any of that, just go to the Facebook group. It's all pretty fun and easy to read and um, pretty respectful, too, i got to say, from Facebook for us. Facebook forums go. Uh, Brian Fuqua, five good, beautiful goodbyes out of five. It was gut-wrenching to see all these characters back. When I rewatched the intro, I really appreciated the brilliant writing and editing. Uh, Ian Tim's three out of five unpaid bills. 
Uh, not quite the app I was expecting. If Tyrese was was going to grow a pair, then I guess it was his time. Uh, Adam Fatah gives the episode four out of five stars. It was sad that Tyrese didn't get to spend his final moments with his sister Sarah. Uh, Trisha Terrell Collins, I say 4.5 squiggling torsos out of 5 in the episode that has me screaming in a good way at the TV is hardly welcome back. Love seeing the dead characters we know and hate slash love again. Uh, Don Hefford, 2.5 out of 5. It opened up some new questions going forward. There's some interesting visuals and the rewired storytelling was refreshing, but Michonne seemed out of her character as we know her. Tyrese's death was unnecessary and lacked much emotion. Uh, so, like I said, opinions all over the board, and if you want a good place to discuss Walking Dead, Walking Dead related stuff, also a good place to get you know a lot of news, and we have links there to Aaron's uh, weekly reviews uh, of The Walking Dead that he posts at theyoungfolks.com. You can get all that right at the Facebook group called, oddly enough, The Walking Dead TV Podcast. I gotta say, I, I as I was I was writing the um the my review last night for I um. For people that don't know, I write several uh, TV. I, I, I cover a couple different TV shows. I cover Gotham and The Americans as well. And I'm I'm spoiled at this point because I get screeners of those shows. I don't get screeners for The Walking Dead, so I'm watching it live with everybody else. And so I'm like I'm always racing to kind of get those reviews out. But for whatever reason, this one was a pretty easy one to kind of go over. Like I got and like it's not a short review either. So I was I was quite happy. I was just like able to communicate what I thought about the episode pretty efficiently. And I I like trying to get it out, you know, for you guys, the listeners, and whatnot too you know to read because I, I enjoy sharing my thoughts in full detail but yeah no thanks jim for the plug on that one speaking of plugs now would probably be a great time to mention our sponsor of the walking dead tv podcast and that is dcbservice.com discount comic book service head over there and you can pick up your floppies your individual comics uh your 32 page 20 page 22 page depending on what they are comics for deep deep discounts 15 20 25 sometimes even 50 or more percent off they have great deals there also check out their sister site InStockTrades.com, where you can get the uh, you know the hardback and paperback uh, comic book collections of multiple issues for great discounts as well. We thank them uh, for their service of this uh, podcast and for sponsoring us for so long. They have been really awesome to us, and we think you should check them out because they're really awesome to their customers as well. So check out DCBService.com and InStockTrades.com to save tons of money on awesome comic books. And going on right now with their on their site. They have uh, 50% off all Marvel and DC trades. Uh, so if you want to pick up any uh, trade paperbacks from DC or Marvel, they are 50% off right off the top of the bat. Uh, so, And I would give a recommendation to the current versions of Avengers and New Avengers, as big things are brewing in the Marvel Universe right now. And if you want to be caught up by the time Secret Wars starts up in, in just a few months, Avengers and New Avengers by Jonathan Hickman are the places you want to be, and uh, they're, they're damn good comics to boot. So, uh, Spider-Man and She-Hulk are dating. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, the whole Marvel Universe uh, may be coming to an end in a very, very uh, explosive type of way. Oh, they broke so, up? <laughs> don't sell the DC side uh, short either, too, dude. We got Convergence coming up and a lot of cool stuff spinning out of that, including a new Bizarro miniseries, which I'm really excited about. But DCB Service not only has comics. Oh, no, my friends. No, no. They also can hook you up with your statues, your action figures, trade paperbacks uh would you like a michonne hoodie you can get it there i would would you like one of those sweet mcfarlane uh diorama sets with gerald daryl driving this chopper down uh, uh on top of some zombie necks i want to get that there uh you can get that there 
Uh, all kinds of fun stuff there. And not only, like I said, if you're not into the comics of The Walking Dead, that's totally cool. But if you want to get some sweet uh, Walking Dead swag or gifts for a friend who is a fan of The Walking Dead, then DCB Service is also your place for that. Valentine's Day is coming up. What better way to show someone you love them than to buy them a disembodied zombie head? Of course. Or get them the uh, a, a governor tank full. It's yeah, exactly. Like a bou- bouquet of zombie head. <laughs> well, it's certainly going to have a bouquet to it. So it's going to smell, as they say. <laughs> so that's pretty much it for this episode of the Walking Dead TV podcast. Of course, you can leave us a voicemail. Tell us what you thought of the show, whether it be this week's episode or next week's episode or any episode you want to talk about. You can leave us a voicemail at 972-798-3830 or send us an email, wdtv at hhwlod.com. That's wdtv at hhwlod.com. Check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows like Half Hour Wasted, The Long Box of Doom, The Black Box, out now with Aaron and Abe. Aaron, as you are the Aaron of Out Now with Aaron and Abe, what are you guys talking about on your next episode? That is me. Um, this week we're talking about Jupiter Ascending, the new film from the Wachowskis. Um, a lot of thoughts on that one. Really wanted it to be good. <laughs> really, it's ambitious, that's for sure. Well, that, 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 that says a lot about the movie there. And we've got tons of other shows like Jersey Shore, uh, which has been posting episodes again, Ichapod Cranecast, um, our brand new Whedon cast, which is going through all of Joss Whedon's work in chronological order. They've started with Buffy, because where, of course, where else would you start? And uh, they're currently making their way through the first season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's a lot of fun. Check that out. Is there, um, is there and- an Alien Resurrection episode coming? Uh, I'm sure there will be, okay, good. but uh, they have not gotten to it yet. Uh, and on Twitter, of course, you can follow us at HHWLOD underscore network. And so until there's no more room in hell in the dead walk the earth, remember, it's better now. You've got to know that. Have a good week, everybody. And next week on The Walking Dead, if you want no spoilers whatsoever for the episode, tune out now. But uh, next week on The Walking Dead, Season 5, Episode 10 is entitled, Them. And the synopsis we have from TVGuy.com is, Life on the Road has the group beaten and beleaguered. That's a fun word to say, beleaguered. And in our preview for next week's episode on Talking Dead, we see uh, our group standing at a bridge with a bunch of zombies coming towards them, and they look beleaguered. I'll give them that. Yeah, that's all, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's pretty much all we have. Everyone seems very and tired from the preview that I saw. They need water. They, yeah, they well, that's they need what I mean water and food, and they're just tired of walking around. Yeah, it, it seems like maybe their vehicle has broken down, and they're on foot now, which is bad, and they're tired and hungry maybe, and thirsty. Maybe, maybe it's also bad. Maybe it's just because I've seen I've had spaceballs too on the mind of all this fake news about. I mean, not fake, but probably not news happening of spaceballs too existing. But when when like everyone's like water, well, I was waiting for one to be like room service. Room service. (laughs) (laughs) He ain't found s. Come the area. (laughs) Alright. Have a good week, everybody. This is the recording sound that I'm making right now. And this would now. be one thirty, correct? Yes. And we know because it's 14 weeks after 123. If you tug it more than once, it's playing with it. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. The ring paying off my pudding can. Take my pen knife, my good man. I swear it's Springfield's only choice. Throw up your hands and raise your voice. Monorail. 
What's it say? Monorail. One more time. Monorail. <laughs> Deny. <laughs> Titled, what is the title of that episode? What happened and what's going on? What happened and what's going on? A long title there. Oh, guys, I just figured, I'm sorry, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to create an edit point here, but I'm only recording in the left channel. I just realized what the problem was. It was set to mono. For oh, I record in mono. Yeah, mine's set to mono. It's only doing the left. Okay. <laughs> as long as it's recording something, and that's that thing that is recording is your voice, we should be good. Sorry. Uh, people who only have sound in their right ears will be have a problem, but no, no they won't. Uh, what was I saying? What was I saying? What was I saying? The episode uh, name. Yeah, episode name. Well, say it again for me one time. What happened and what's going? Uh, what's going on? Are you going to put uh, the Proclaimers 500 miles at the that's end what of this? I was thinking Oh, that's, that's a pretty I, good I was, one, actually. I wanted to bring that up earlier, but I didn't want to spoil the joke if the music came in later. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, he was talking earlier. He's like, we've come 500 yeah, miles, and I was just thinking, and you'll go 500. More. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, stopping recording. Wait, what happened to next week's thing? Ba-da-bum-ba-da-bum. I'm still going. <laughs> I was, I, I you paused. Too. I was like, I was I waiting too. for a second. And next week. Hey, now you, now you have some bloopers. Give me a beat. Three, two, one. Okay, and recording. Okay. Wow, thank you for reminding me. I even brought it up, too, <laughs> or on my phone, and then just completely forgot. It's been a while since we did one of it's these. It's been a while. A little bit. Since I could hold my head up high. I was so hoping you would not go there. I really, really. No one ever sad. sings the song; they just say the word. <laughs> Is that Nickelback? No, it's Stained. Oh, same difference. Apostrophe D. <laughs>